0: the book, a different segment of the book, a different aspect of the book, and the first week we talked about awake and aware and noticing what you're noticing. We talked about that. We talked about that witness consciousness, if you remember, the awareness of our own thoughts, feelings, and emotions, and the second week we talked about letting it all go, letting it all go, the idea of surrendering to win, right? The surrender could actually be a good thing. A lot of us are conditioned or brought up to believe, like you never say uncle, right? But we're talking about surrender to win. Letting go of the monkey mind, letting go of that hamster cage thinking that just goes around and around, letting go of worry, letting go of outcomes, and truly just letting go and letting God. Just letting go. And last week we talked about freeing ourselves, freeing our mind. You know, that's really what Michael Singer's talking about in this untethered soul. You know, that we're free. That we're free. And so last week we talked about freeing yourself. Michael Singer, he wrote that the mind can be a dangerous place or a great gift. And we talked about both aspects of mind last week. And, and if you missed any of these, you can listen to our talks on podcasts. Now, you don't have to buy a CD like in the old days. It's right online and you can just listen to any talk, anytime. Um, One of the quotes that Michael Singer has in his book, at some point in your growth, it starts to become quieter inside. Inside, here, it starts to become quieter. This happens quite naturally as you take a deeper seat within yourself. As we get to that place of witness consciousness, the seat of our soul, as we get to that place, you then come to realize that though you have always been in there, you have been completely overwhelmed by the constant barrage of thoughts, right? So the untethered soul, what does it mean to be untethered? I mean, most of us know what tethered is, right? Tethered is what you do, you know, when you're, mostly it's used in the term of animals. You know, you put them on a leash and you tether them to the pole or you tether them to a tree or something so, so they don't get away. You know, fastened, bind, to shackle, all of these things, you know, that we we do to uh, tether an animal. But my question to you is, what is it that your mind is tethered to? What is your mind tethered to? Is it tethered to fear, worry, depression, anxiety, control, trying to figure things out? That was mine. Trying to figure it all out. If I just figure it out, I'll be okay. I'll be safe. If I just figure out how you're supposed to do it, right? You know, many of you have probably heard the story of the elephant and how they train the elephants, you know. And and when an elephant's a little baby, they take a big rope and they tie it to its leg and they tie it to a stake and they put the stake in the ground. And and the little baby elephant tries to break it free, tries to break free, tries to break free. And and as time goes by, a year or so, they stop trying to break free because they've realized that they're tethered to this thing and they're not going to get away. Well, if you ever see a full-grown elephant... They are tethered by what looks like a tiny little string sometimes, a little tiny rope. And the question is, is why do they not break that rope? Because they certainly can by the time they're full grown. But the truth is, is the elephant doesn't realize it can break free. It has been so conditioned from that early age to just go around in the circle that it's able to go around in. Right, it says that trainers can put just a little tiny string, and the elephant won't walk away, and the elephant won't, won't walk away. So what have we been conditioned? What is it that we've been conditioned to be tethered to? You know, what imaginary rope are we attached to in our life? You know, how do we get to the place where we, where we become so self-obsessed with our own little plans and designs that we've forgotten that there's a larger world view, that we're just in our little space. We've got our mind tethered to our little space. There's a story that Michael Singer tells in the book and illustrates what he's talking about, and he compares it to Plato's allegory in the cave. And it may not be as profound, but it's a similar allegory. He tells a story of um, us, each individual, being in this place of this amazing bright light in this amazing field, the wide open field. And we arrive to this field and we are just falling in love with how beautiful it is, how open it is, how the sun just radiates down on us. I mean, it's just magnificent, a magnificent piece of property. We fall in love with it and so we decide to buy the property and we buy the property and we decide we're going to put a house on it so we get about building our dream house. We put down all the details of everything that we want you know and we start with a really solid foundation because we want our house to last right and we build it we build it with these concrete walls because we want it to last a long long time we don't want it to be damaged by the winds and and we're very economical, very eco-friendly. So we decide to put small windows in it and uh, a large overhang to kind of keep the sun out of it and keep it uh, nice and cool inside. But once we go inside, we realize it's still sort of warm and the sun still gets in. So we decide to put shutters on. We put shutters on the outside that radiate the sun and the light out away from the house and they keep the house cool and they also serve as locks. So they keep us safe inside this protective home. And, uh, and eventually we get to the place where we move in. We're far from the city, we're far from everyone. We're just in this wonderful place and, and we spend time outside and we love it and we're in the sun and we're enjoying it, but you know we really love our house. We think our house is pretty great, and we spend more and more time indoors, you know? And, and, and before you know it, we're not really even going outside that much. We're just staying in the house, and we're reading, and we're writing, and, and we've built a big storage area where we've got everything that we possibly could need, and we built a little, like, guest part of the house where we have someone that lives with us that takes care of things like the, the cleaning and the cooking and that sort of thing, so we're very self-contained. We're off the grid. There's no phones or computers or anything. It's just absolutely absolute peace, right? So we're living in this house and we're living in this house and we just love it. In fact, we start to keep the shutters closed on the windows because we're pretty far from the city and it's a little scary. We hear these weird noises. So we keep our shutters closed, you know, and we stay more and more in the house. And before you know it, we don't even go outside anymore at all, right? But we're reading and we're enjoying. and We feel really good until our light bulbs start burning out in our house, and we forgot to get more replacement light bulbs. So slowly, the house gets darker and darker, and all we have are these little candles, these little candles that we had for emergencies, and so we light them very sparingly. We'd like them to maybe read a book or we light them. But most of the time, we're walking around in the dark. We're walking around in the dark and we're bumping into things. And, and finally, we get so frustrated and we get sick mentally and physically. And we're just not doing a whole lot of anything. And we're living in the darkness. And one day, our housekeeper, our guest that's there in the house with us, calls us down from the cellar and says, I found this box of flashlights. All you have to do is shake them and they light up. And by the time you get down there, they've got the whole cellar lit up, and you're ecstatic because you've got this light again. And so you go about putting the light all around your house, and you strategically place the flashlights, and you start to read again, and you start to remember and you find a book in your library, and it talks about this mystical thing. It talks about this place where there's all this light, and you can go outside, and there's open areas, right? And there's, it, it's amazing to you that this place, because you've long forgotten outside, you've lived so long inside, that you've forgotten there's anything like that. And you're mesmerized by this idea of the light and of going outside. But you've become so comfortable in your house that you dare not go out. You dare not go out. He finishes up the story with a little bit of explanation. Your house is made of your thoughts and emotions. The walls are made of your psyche. That's what the house is. It is all your past experiences, all your thoughts and emotions, all the concepts, views, opinions, beliefs, hopes, and dreams that you have collected around yourself. You hold them in place on all sides, including above and below. You have pulled together in your mind a specific set of thoughts and emotions, and then you have woven them together in a conceptual world in which you live. So, we've each created this world in which we live, you know, based on our upbringing, based on our belief system, based on our thoughts and emotions. And we spend a lot of time trying to keep it in place, trying to keep it in place, to not have anything shift, not have anything change, keep it the way it was or the way it is. You know, but how do we break down those walls? How do we break down the walls to the structures that we've built for ourselves and become into this place and move into this place of the untethered soul, of having that non-attachment to the things, to the people, to the places, to the way that we think it has to be? One of the last chapters of the book is called Going Beyond. And Michael Singer writes, ultimately, the word beyond captures the true meaning of spirituality. In its most basic sense, going beyond means going past where you are. It means not staying in your current state. When you, are, when you constantly go beyond yourself, there are no more limitations. There are no more boundaries. Have you ever experienced a time in the, your life when your whole world just kind of crumbled? I think most of us have had some sort of experience. If you've been on this planet long enough, you've had an experience of where things change that you didn't approve of, right? Right? Somebody leaves us, or somebody dies, or something happens, and all of a sudden we find ourselves not knowing where we fit anymore, right? And that our house has changed, right? And so we scramble to keep the walls in place, to keep the structure in place, until we finally realize all we can do is surrender and learn a new way of being, learn a new way of being. We redefine ourselves. we figure out, how do I fit in the world now without my partner? Or how do I fit in the world now without my parent? Or whatever that change that's happened to you, that we look and we have to redefine who we are, you know? Michael Singer says these times of crisis, what we call crisis, these times of unapproved change, are the times that we can go beyond ourselves. They're the time that we can stretch past that boundary we've put in place for ourselves, and we can move. But he says our world doesn't have to fall apart in order for us to be able to do this. We can do this through conscious choice. We don't have to wait for it all to crumble, crumble down. We can choose to go beyond to transcend the personal mind and all its trappings. I'm going to ask you to join me in a little exercise right now. If you feel comfortable and want to do it, I invite you to close your eyes if you'd like to, but you don't have to. But you just turn within, whatever way works for you. And just breathe. Imagine yourself just in this place of peace and serenity. And I'll ask you to, Take one of your hands, your right and your left, and turn it palm up. And turn it palm up, and in your mind's eye, imagine the belief, a situation, or a person, that you're wanting to release, being in the palm of your hand. Allow the person, the belief, or the situation to turn and face you, to look at you in the palm of your hand. And surround that belief, situation, and person in pure love and light for just a few minutes. Imagine them surrounded. Send your wishes, and your thoughts, and your prayers for it or them to know how loved they are. As you tenderly and peacefully surrender them to God, to Spirit to life, to creative intelligence, whatever name you call that thing. Now imagine this belief or person or thought in your hand turning away from you and walking out of the palm of your hand, completely, absolutely surrendered by you to all that is, to that God place knowing that they are now free to continue on their path, completely surrounded in love and light. Just imagine them moving on. You should take a couple deep breaths. When you're ready and feel comfortable, open your eyes. You know, those are the one of the ways that we can move through these blocks that are in us before crisis hits. We can do our spiritual practices. We can do exercises like this. You know, one of the great things, if there's only one mind, right, and we're all connected in consciousness and we're all connected, then we can do our healing work with people that don't even have to be here with us to do it. We can talk to them in our mind. We can see them like we just saw somebody in the palm of our hand. We can see them sitting across from us. We can do a lot of unfinished business without having to have that person right with us to do it. Perhaps they've deceased, they're deceased. Perhaps you're no longer speaking to them. We don't have to stay stuck. We don't have to wait for a crisis to do our own healing work. Michael Singer says, we can surrender to life. We can surrender to life. And he truly says that that is the key. You know, he, uh, his second book is called The Surrender Experiment. And if you haven't read it, it's a f- fabulous book. And it tells this whole story that I'm going to tell you in two sentences. You know, But it's a really fascinating story to read, where he actually goes on this life journey of this experiment of surrendering. What would it be like to surrender in every moment? to what is. Not what he thinks should be, but to what is, right? He was 22 or 23 years old. He was a young man, and he decided he would go to the woods. And his, his His thought was he would go to the woods, and he would meditate. And what he had became fascinated in is our mind, and that monkey mind that's constantly chattering and constantly talking, and he wanted to learn how to quiet that mind. And so he started out by going into the woods and meditating. He would spend long periods of time meditating, and uh, Slowly it evolved into him building a temple where people come now and pray with him. He started a construction business, all while meditating. He started a very successful software company, all while meditating. He had some legal actions, all while meditating. In each moment he surrendered, he surrendered, he surrendered. You know, at one point the college, the nearby college called him to teach. And he said, you know, I'm meditating, I'm not teaching anymore. Prior to that he'd been, I think, an economic teacher. and uh, the college said just come talk to us and they said if you did come teach here what would you teach and he said "Well, I would teach people how to meditate I would teach them how to quiet their mind I would teach them you know they said okay come teach that right now that wasn't his plan right but he allowed spirit he allowed source to just move him along through life surrendering at every moment and has an amazing life today doing exactly what it is that uh, you know he loves you know, I love that Marianne Williamson thing. So many of us get afraid to surrender because we think that God, our spirit's going to want us to do something that we don't want to do. I don't know what, how we get that idea. Well, I do know how we get that idea, but you know, we get that idea that we're going to be asked to do something, and, and Marianne Williamson uses the example of these artists that are in her life, and they're so afraid to surrender because they're afraid God's going to want them to be an Accountant. You know, like, why would spirit want us to be an accountant if we're an artist? I mean, that doesn't make sense, but we can trust. We get to that place that we can trust. We can trust that if we surrender into all that is, that we will be guided, guarded, and protected every step of the way. Surrendering to life. Ernest Holmes writes, and Ernest Holmes is the founder of Science of Mind, which our philosophy is, for those of you that might not know. He writes in our Science of Mind textbook, the soul must make a complete surrender of itself to spirit. The soul must make a complete surrender of itself to spirit. Michael Singer says we must surrender to something greater than ourselves to move from that place of personal mind into what he and others call the pathless path, the pathless path. He calls it the path that has no path, right? The pathless paths. Rumi says, ultimately, oops, I'm ahead of myself. This is Michael Singer. Ultimately, the only way to know about God is by letting your being merge into the being and then seeing what happens to you. Rumi, out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Right? the Pathless path. The pathless path. I'm going to leave you with a writing from Ernest Holmes. It's from Creative Ideas, which is one of Ernest's uh, first uh, books. To be free from the bondage of fear, superstition, and anxiety, the mind must be riveted on freedom. The thought must arise transcendent over the bondage. If we do this, then we are brought out of the shadow of darkness into the light of the glorious freedom of the children of God that we are. If we would be free, the mind and heart must be open to the influx of divine intelligence. It is only from such spiritual enlightenment that we can gain the freedom we seek. Today, I'm resolved to see only the good, God, Whatever there is in my thought that is unlike this, that has kept me in bondage, is wiped away. A new spiritual enlightenment floods my mind as I become aware of the divine presence as peace, joy, and harmony at the center of my being. Whatever there is in my thought or experience that has barred me from a fuller experience of the good life is now resolved and dissolved. I accept the constructive, affirmative, creative action of God, which is boundless and free. As now making me free of all limitation, I think only of good. My experience is filled only with good. My acceptance of the good of God as an actuality in my life now transcends all unlike it and makes my life new. So it is. Amen. God bless you. So glad that you're all here today. let welcome back.